After a long delay, the Department of Health and Human Services appears to be starting up the next phase of its HIPAA compliance audit program. How should covered entities and business associates prepare in case they're chosen for an audit? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Brad Rostowski, a partner in the Life Sciences Health Industry Group at the law firm Reed Smith's Philadelphia office. Brad will be discussing with us some tips on how healthcare entities and business associates should prepare if they're chosen for a HIPAA compliance audit by HHS's Office for Civil Rights. Hi, Brad. Hey, how are you? Good. So now, Brad, it appears that OCR has begun sending pre-audit surveys to some covered entities and business associates. Have any of your clients received the surveys or any idea what sorts of questions OCR is asking? My sense is that what they've done is they've tried to kind of more automate the process so that here's a general set of questions that are maybe a little bit easier to answer than than what had been sent out before. I don't believe they're even allowing for any conversation but you know between when you get it and when you return those those responses. But generally speaking the audits are kind of evolving in terms of how the government's approaching it and how the uh, the logistics are working. But for that, it's all pretty much the same as the initial phase, but for the fact that OCR has been very straightforward in saying we're going to use what we find in furtherance of taking enforcement action. So it's now become a very overt enforcement tool. So now if a covered entity or a business associate receives one of these pre-audit screenings from OCR, does that necessarily mean that they'll be audited? And if they get this pre-screening survey, what should the covered entities and business associates do first? I, I don't think it necessarily means that they'll be selected for an audit, but it certainly helps them narrow the pool. And frankly, I think that a lot of folks are a little bit suspicious that It enables OCR to focus its resources on regulated entities that are more likely to have problems, you know, kind of in furtherance of that enforcement angle that I mentioned earlier. So if a covered entity or business associate does get one of these pre-audit screening surveys, what should they do? What should they do first? Well, I think the, the most important thing to do is not wait until you get one but rather now before anybody receives a screening or any other sort of inquiry from the OCR or state attorney general or, for that matter, even the FTC these days, take a moment while there's no chaos going on and do a pretty good check on the status of your overall compliance efforts. Make sure that your policies and procedures are in place. Make sure that you've conducted your risk assessment under the security rule and it's been updated. Make sure that you've been conducting training, that you've got evidence of that training, And I guess maybe more specifically in anticipation of potentially getting one of these audit screenings or some other inquiry, you know, that suggests some incident has occurred potentially, you know, either audit or enforcement action. Take a look at your files in terms of how you've handled incidents of privacy rule violations or potential violations. Did they amount to breaches when you determined that they were a breach, you know, an incident was a breach? 
did you follow the rules correctly? You know, kind of understand what you've got in your files so that you're prepared for what OCR is going to see. Ultimately, for breaches affecting under 500 individuals, you can you make that notification once a year. I think the very end of February, early March. So make sure you've done that. But generally speaking, just get your ducks in a row, and as soon as you get that screening request, I suspect that the best thing to do is privacy officers should probably get in touch with the compliance officer, the general counsel, have a little powwow in-house. If you use folks that are outside of your organization, lawyers, other vendors, you know, I'd connect with them. And hopefully, because you've done this kind of pre-issue arising compliance review, it shouldn't be all that challenging to put something together relatively quickly. In that process, if a covered entity, for instance, discovers, oh, geez, you know, we never did this particular thing, whether it was mitigating some risk or whatever the case may be, is it too late for them to go back and try to fix things or, you know, is the damage done? If OCR comes in and does an audit, will they see that you didn't do it and now you're scrambling? Well, that's a good question, and I mean, look, ultimately, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, you know, at least lawyers, you know, tend to use this phrase a lot, you can't unring the bell. If there's a problem that, that existed, it's it's a problem that you're going to have to deal with, but what you can do is you can shine up the bell, and you you can make it look a little bit prettier, so if you know that there was a problem, and it's something that's gone unfixed right now, and you haven't been contacted by OCR or anyone else yet, I would say that's the perfect time to fix it. If you haven't conducted the risk assessment and you realize that, you know, right now, go conduct it. If you don't have policies that reflect, you know, your actual practices, fix them. If you didn't you didn't do anything appropriately in, in instance A, B, or C, address it. And even once OCR contacts you, if through the course of an investigation you're gathering up all of the stuff that you're going to send to them in response to their document requests, kind of outside the context of an audit maybe, because the the timing is usually a little bit broader. It gives you the ability to do this. But I, I would say fix it in parallel with addressing OCR's requests see if you, and see if you can get it fixed before OCR comes to you and says fix it. Because ultimately, if you can show them even in light of something not being perfect or what they'd want to see, that you went ahead and addressed it and, and were being compliance-minded and and did what you were supposed to do even a little bit late, that goes a long way. If you're a business associate, what should you be doing at this point in case you are chosen for a HIPAA audit? Anything that the business associate should be doing that's different than what the covered entities should be doing? Generally speaking, business associates and covered entities kind of have the same baseline requirements. There are a few extra things the covered entities you know, may need to do uh, that, that just aren't applicable to business associates. For example, business associates don't need to have a notice of privacy practices, so if the government asks for one, you just remind them, hey, I'm a business associate. Business associates don't come in the same shape and size as each other, much like providers don't, but in the business associate world, unlike the provider world, OCR isn't as familiar with the different types of folks living in that space. So to the extent that your business model is a little bit unique or it's not really, really easy to appreciate what's going on and why certain information is flowing from A to B. I would say spend a little time fine-tuning the kind of more basic description of what you do, why you need to have it. But beyond that, essentially, at least the, the initial kind of review of things, 
there might be some things that are a little bit more covered entity focused or business associate focused, but but by and large, it's the same thing. Because business associates aren't as familiar or used to being regulated under HIPAA, it may be that business associates don't fully appreciate who they need to have business associate subcontractor agreements with. It's probably a good idea for business associates to take that extra minute or two that covered entities are probably already doing, making sure that they've got all of their contractual obligations in place. So what do you think OCR will most likely be looking at during these audits? And at this point, do we have any idea if OCR will do on-site or remote audits? I know they were talking about both at one point or another. I think that it's generally what we've what we've already seen. There's there's a pretty detailed audit website that the government puts out, and it, it essentially goes through the entirety of the, the regulations. So it's it's easy to say the audits are essentially you know, ensuring that you're doing what you're supposed to do under the regulations themselves. To that end, it's the same kind of basic stuff with a little twist. I mean, get your policies and procedures in good shape. You know, training, risk assessment under the security rule, etc. I've heard people say that the initial kind of part of this round two of audits is going to likely be you know kind of a paper exchange, maybe some phone calls. But it would not surprise me at all, and I think it's likely that that there will be some on-site aspect to it, primarily because it's easier for folks to get a sense of what's happening when you're on-site. So making sure that some of the environmental aspects of compliance are there, the optics, privacy screens for your computers, where people are sitting in relation to other people, the file cabinets being locked, etc. You know, a lot of that physical security stuff that people talk about, not having passwords on the sticky notes on the monitor, etc. But beyond that, I would say that as you go through your policies and procedures and with a practical eye to what do you actually do? What do you actually need today in terms of compliance? Once you go through that process, you're kind of hitting all of the little things that they might talk about in their audit protocol. OCR also has said that they will develop a updated protocol, uh, one that will also address business associates. Any idea when that might be done? I, th- I think one of the more recent kind of updates to their website may have included at least some language there. There are two tabs. You can click on one to get a slightly more updated one. I I haven't yet given a deep dive into it, but ultimately I wouldn't really wait for that. It's not going to be all that hard for folks to look at that protocol and, you know, kind of determine, hey, A, B, and C might be missing with respect to business associates or or high-tech generally. Because, I mean, if if you're getting into the weeds in terms of where there might be some issues – and, and there's been no problems in terms of the, the baseline requirements, I, I think you're in a pretty good place. I mean, it's, it's not unusual for folks to say, hey, look, if, if you look hard enough, you're going to find, you know, maybe a small issue here or there because regulated entities are still living, breathing, working providers or vendors. And any given moment, there might be a, a slight issue here or there. But, you know, if you, if you kind of focus on the foundation and the rudiments, if you will, I, I think you're going to be in a good place. And so now, do you think that these audits will result in any enforcement actions that might include a financial penalty? And also, what can covered entities and business associates do at this point to lessen the chances that they'll be targeted for an audit? Anything you can do to sort of avoid being the focus? 
Would it surprise me if there were enforcement actions that result in some sort of settlement? No, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's a shame that this is where we're heading, that you know, what used to be an organization focused on voluntary compliance is now conducting these audits, which were in its first incarnation, just a way for folks to kind of get up to the right level of compliance, is now using that very tool furtherance of enforcement. But, you know, it's where we're at. And in terms of not getting on the list, I suspect a lot of it is random. <laughs> Maybe the best, now this is not by, by no means a, a surefire way to avoid getting on the list, but Maybe the best way is to avoid having a, a large-scale breach. If you're not being talked about in the trade press or the, or the everyday papers because of some big issue, you're less likely to be on the radar. But ultimately, they've not been very forthright in terms of addressing how they're picking folks. And I think it's, it's kind of left to everyone just to assume there's a chance that they could be on the list. Finally, any sense of when the actual audits might begin? I feel like I've been hearing people talk about this summer, but as is often the case, you know, these things can be pushed back time and time again. Ultimately, what I see written in interviews and in other press describing the audits is is sometime in 2015 into 2016. I haven't seen anything more specific than that lately, but I think since we are essentially, you know, end of May, early June here, if folks haven't started thinking about preparing, you know, in advance, now's the time to do that. Thanks, Brad. I've been speaking to attorney Brad Rostelsky. I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.